welcome. It's indisputable, I'm your host, Rashad Richard. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, the big homie, Jeff Wiggins, Rebel HQ contributor and host of We Gonna Be All Right. Should be a fascinating analysis. Top story of the day, girl fight between Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene, two members of the United States Congress. Footage was caught, here it is. Take your conversations to the back, off the floor. For what purpose does the gentlewoman order, please? For what purpose does the gentlewoman from Florida, Mrs. Luna, seek recognition? They're okay. So, yeah, they called each other the B word, or at least one has confirmed so. Let's put up the picture full mass. I will give you the background. Yes, this is interesting. Confirmed. Marjorie Taylor Greene confirmed Wednesday night that she did indeed call Congresswoman Bobert a little B word. She did not say B word. As she doubled down on her remarks, quote, she has genuinely been a nasty little bee to me, Green said. Asked whether the two could ever reconcile. The Congresswoman said, absolutely not. Yep, MAGA Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Green and Lauren Boebert have been at war with each other since December. We covered some of that back then. First, Bobert threw Green under the bus in a live TV interview over the latter's belief in Jewish space lasers. A conspiracy theory popularized by, you know, those people. Okay. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Green is down uh, with a conspiracy theorist, and she promoted the propaganda. There's more. The next month, the two. Reportedly had it out in a house bathroom. From which Bobert ran out like a little schoolgirl, a source told the Daily Beast. Bobert then mocked the big white balloon Green was carrying around the Capitol on in February to make some kind of point about the Chinese spy balloon. And that brings us to Wednesday afternoon, when Green reportedly called Bobert a beat to her face on the house floor in front of a bunch of their colleagues. Marjorie Taylor Greene has lost all respect, ladies and gentlemen, no decorum whatsoever. Every politician knows this one thing, you don't do it in front of them. They typically would do it behind your back. Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene has brought the conversation directly to the floor. There's more, according to the Daily Beast, the spat started because both Congresswomen introduced dueling resolutions. Resolutions to do what? To impeach President Joe Biden. Bobert then made a procedural move to force a vote on hers first, thereby stealing Green's impeachment happy thunder. The two were seen arguing on the House floor about the rivalry 
and a video of the moment made its way to Twitter. Three sources told the Beast that Boebert confronted Green over the statements you made about me publicly. Green replied, according to all three, by calling Boebert a B word with one source specifying that Green said actually uh, used the words little B word. I've donated to you, I've defended you, but you've been nothing but a little B to me, Green told Boebert, per the B source who witnessed the exchange. And you copied my articles of impeachment after I asked you to, to uh, co-sponsor them. An unnamed Republican congressman confirmed to the outlet that they witnessed it too. Quote, I heard Marjorie call Boebert a B word right in front of a face, said the lawmaker, whom the beast granted anonymity so they could speak freely. This is all pretty jaw dropping on its own. But the best part is how the spat reportedly ended, which sounds like a bad high school breakup. I have more in a different context about Pence, but before I go to Pence, please understand the argument has nothing to do with why they are elected to the US Congress. They are debating and arguing about shine, shine, they flexing. They wanna be known for one thing while doing absolutely nothing. Impeaching Joe Biden, you're arguing about impeaching Joe Biden. Articles of impeachment, go for it, that's fine. It's your political right to do so, regardless of anyone's belief in the authenticity of your outrage. You can do it, they're arguing about everything but policy. They're arguing about everything but economy, higher education, jobs, skill-based training, the affordability of housing, ending homelessness. If you're going to argue on the US Congress floor, please at least argue about stuff somebody gives a damn about. But the reality is they're not the problem. They are simply an expression, they're a symptom of the sickness that permeates not only inside of Congress, but also from many who live in this nation. We elect people to be representatives, to represent what values, policy. This is foolishness, there's more. Biden, uh, he's running for president again, which means Pence. He's running for president against the Republican primary field, but if he wins, which he won't, he would be running against Biden. (laughs) Meanwhile, during a meet the press interview, Chuck Todd's attempt to pin down Mike Pence on a Trump DOJ indictment derails when one thing is brought up, Hunter Biden. Now, I thought this was settled. Hunter has basically pleaded guilty tax evasion, having a gun illegally. They didn't get him on the crack pipe. I know Republicans really wanted him to be convicted for the crack pipe. I hope that at some point they will you know, let that rest and let the man move on. It's called a disease, it's an addiction. But this was an interesting dynamic. Mike Pence unable to answer questions, not the first time, here it is. Imagine deciding that you have evidence that yeah, a no. former president commits a crime and you don't charge. Yeah, no. That could be just as damaging to our gold standard rule well, of law example. I, I think the proper answer right now 
because we have an indictment. Mm -hmm. And as I said, the allegations are serious. And um, the proper approach now is for equal treatment under the law. The Department of Justice, uh, I would like to see bring equal vigor to the investigation into allegations around Hunter Biden. I mean, we have not? investigations swirling around that Hunter Biden. About, How do you know that they're not doing that right now? Well, I, I, I want to see them come forward There's a U.S. Attorney with in Delaware action that's that been would, that would reflect their commitment to equal treatment under the law. And frankly, you know, the fact that, uh, that, that President Biden was found to have had classified documents dating all the way back, not just to his years as vice president, but to his years in the United States Senate, I, I would like to see the Department of Justice moving forward they have a vigorously special, they have a with that special, He appointed a special counsel. That's equal treatment under the law. So what? So you approve of what Garland did by having a special counsel look into the president? Well, 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 we'll see what happens, Chuck. I mean, the, the American Wait, people. Give me your definition seen, of equal treatment. The American people have seen treatment. so far that the former president has been subject but to the indictment. There's a difference between equal treatment and equal outcome. There is a. Are you looking for Chuck, an equal outcome or Chuck, equal treatment? Chuck, Did you get my point. I get your point, and I, I think I'm being very clear on this. Pence. Sir, you're clear as mud. There's more. <laughs> Here it is. The American people uh, would like to see evidence that we don't have a two-tiered system of justice. Seven years, uh, it, it appears as though, as though Democrats uh, get one level of treatment and, and Republicans, especially uh, those of us in the Trump Pence administration, get another. The American people want to, see, want to see action by the Department of Justice that proves to them or starts to prove to them that that's not the case. Did the I tell you, bar to, Justice Department politicize things in favor of the Democrats? Is that your allegation that in four of the seven years you're describing that the Justice Department that was run by Republican, former Republican Senator Jeff Sessions, two-time Republican Attorney General Bill Barr, was politicizing the Justice Department in favor of Democrats? What I'm saying to you is that we now know that the Russia collusion investigation should have never been begun. Two and a half years put the country through. Inspector General never said that. In the days following that, under the Biden administration now, we've literally seen the Justice Department targeting parents going to school board meetings. We've seen the Justice Department targeting pro-life activists. And, and I have to tell you, Chuck, I'm still waiting for the rash of prosecutions of people involved uh, in the BLM riots from the summer of 2020. I mean, where, where is the equal treatment under the law as evidence of the fact that, that people are being brought into court, being held before having caused billions of dollars in damage in hundreds of riots throughout the summer of 2020? Look, clearly the American people, or, or not, or I would tell you among Republicans, um, vast majority of Republicans have lost confidence in the Department of Justice. And if I'm elected president of the United States, I've said on day one, we're going we're gonna to clean house at the highest levels of the Department of you, Justice. Talk- you won't do a damn thing. <laughs> Keep in mind, Pence is afraid to simply say the truth about his own political opponent, Donald Trump. Now, I'm connecting what happened with Boebert, Green, and this interview. All of them are making measured decisions based on the potential response of Donald Trump. 
and his followers. Let me say that again, each of them are making measured decisions based on the proximity to their relationship with Donald Trump. They are afraid to go too far to offend him or those who follow him. This is a dangerous thing. Here's what it means. If Pence is afraid to confront the man on camera, if Pence is afraid to confront the man by way of policy proclamation, you elect Pence, who's in control of Pence? The man he's afraid of, that's who's in control of him, all right? Um, Two-tier justice system, he said people wanna know we don't have a two-tier justice system. We've always had a two-tier justice system. And to say that somehow the government has been weaponized against conservatives, please keep in mind, Mike Pence, that literally the government, the very government you once represented has assassinated members of the community who were citizens and left-leaning progressive in their ideological beliefs. This government has literally put those individuals to death. We have the evidence, we also have the confessions. Please keep in mind, every single thing that you're saying now is something we've said decades ago about the reality of this nation. You are simply misapplying the facts, but the fact is still there. There is a two-tier justice system. All right, your brother thoughts. Mike Pence was alive when Fred Hampton was assassinated. He knows exactly what's going on. The theme of this opening segment has been at least fight or a lack thereof. And Pence does not have that. He ain't gonna do nothing, exactly what you said earlier. By the way, good job out of Chuck Todd asking follow-up questions and actually fighting through that interview because I didn't think he had it in him. Let's go back to MTG right quick because I was looking it up while you were talking. Recently, she had her struggles with Jamal Bowman, AOC, math and science. And I wish Congress <laughs> would continue to fight like that, like before the people, as you alluded to, opposing each other to their faces in order to bring about, I don't know, laws, seeing how they're lawmakers. So more of what we just saw from them, but like, you know, to make people's lives better, you know, the lives of go. Americans in this country. More of that, please. Nothing, none of this show in order to make uh, Trump's base happy with you. Right, well said. Georgia police chief apologizes because, well, he brought the community to his shooting range and all of his targets, black men, put it up for a mask. Hell of a story, ironically, we've been here before. The Villa Rica Police Department, in the state of Georgia posted a short video clip of white citizens using an image of a black man for target practice at its firearms training course over the weekend. You see them there, okay? All of the targets are that of a black male. Let's put up the chief, police chief. Michael Mansour on the left told WSB TV news there was no sinister intent in posting the images. Chief, that's not what we're arguing, Chief. There was sinister activity before you posted the images. I'm talking about the fact you were shooting at targets that were only black. Bill Rica Mayor on the right. 
Gil McDougall had ordered the images removed from social media and asked for an investigation into the matter. The mayor called the decision to post the images bad judgment. It was immediately clear to me, he said, that the selection of these images during the training was offensive. Keep those two gentlemen up. The police chief says there was no sinister intent when we posted the images on Facebook. The mayor comes out and says, hey, 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 I ordered those images taken down from Facebook. This was offensive. Uh, gentlemen, you're both missing the point. Why do you have police and citizens shooting at only black men at the shooting range? Uh, Mayor, did you order the damn targets to be taken down from the shooting range? Did you do that? There's more. On the department's Facebook page, they posted this statement. Let's put it up full mass. The Villarica Police Department strives to be conscious of how our relationship with our community members has a direct impact on our effectiveness within the community we serve. This includes our stance <clears throat> on being equitable to all people regardless of their human diversity factors. The targets utilized in our recent firearms class depict realistic human images and were part of a package which included target images of people from various ethnic groups. It was never our intention to be insensitive, inflammatory or offensive to anyone. However, we respect the honest opinions of our fellow citizens and apologize for any offense we may have caused. We invite everyone to attend one of our next citizen firearms classes and share in a positive experience alongside us. Now, let me just give a warning. If you are a black male, I recommend you not go there. You may be mistaken for a target. Let's put it up again. Let's put up the picture. Now, remember, they're saying, according to the mayor, uh, they ordered a diverse, a diverse package. Wait a minute. That's the same damn brother throughout the shooting range. <laughs> um, so, Mr. Mayor, uh, Mr. Chief, when this came to your office, did you return it and say, what the hell is this? We wanted to shoot at black and brown people. <laughs> Those same black targets, ironically, were discovered during a Boy Scout troops recent tour in Farmington Hills. We covered it right here on Indisputable. The police department here, they have children looking at the black targets. Same black target, by the way, same brother. I don't know who this man is. But why is this company sending out so many damn pictures of them to police departments, all right? So Farmington Hills Police Department, they did the very same thing. According to research by a family lawyer, when ordering a picture targets from a vendor, the orders would include a variety of different targets. But instead of using the non-black targets, they would just reorder another set to restock the supply of black targets. The chief, Jeff King, did apologize for that incident. So let's go ahead and connect the dots here, Chief. I'm talking about the Chief of Villarica. You see, the Chief, the Chief of Farmington Hills, he apologized because they were ordering a bunch of packets, taking out the brother and putting the brother on the target and dismissing the other targets. They apologized for it. Now you got the same setup. 
You mean to tell me that you all did not do the exact same thing that Farmington did? Of course you did. Stop lying to your people, all right? Okay, Jeff, thoughts, brother. I hope the brother being used to be a, a, a target is getting royalties from all this yeah. because I, I, when I first saw the story, I was kind of confused because I'm like, we just talked about something like this this time last year coming out of Michigan. And then when I compared the images, I was like, oh my gosh, it must be the exact same story, right? No, it's two different places not learning from the mistakes of other places as if they're not aware of what's going on. This is awful and bad. What's wrong with silhouettes, by the way? I'm and like I, me and guns, we don't go together. I don't shoot. I don't do any of that. Some someone please contact me and let me know why they need specifically lifelike individuals versus a silhouette. Say like please let me know because I got a feeling next summer, this time next year, we're going to be talking about the exact same thing somewhere else. Yeah, and here's the thing: I'm sure other police departments are doing this. It has not risen to the level of media attention mm. and. Think about the psychology it creates when you only train on shooting black males as a police officer. What in the hell do you think you're doing to the mind of those who are using black people only as target practice? All right, we will bring you updates as they come. This is going viral on social media. A student graduating, it is her day. She's seen grabbing the microphone, very little context is provided until she provides it directly. Here it is. Okay, go, go, let go. You didn't let me get my moment, so I wanna say, my name is Khadija Tadiano and I'm graduating today. All I you snatched the mic out of my head, so today is gonna be all about me. Oh, drops the mic. Congratulations! There is a backstory, an important backstory to provide significant context to what you just saw. I am glad she provided the context personally. Here it is. So, it's my story time. Basically, what happened was um, I was walking on and we had to announce our names to say our name before we get on the stage. So I was saying my name and she literally, I was, my name is long. My name, obviously, I have like three syllables in my name. I'm not gonna say exactly my name right now, but okay, just so you get a point. So I didn't even finish getting to say my name. And then the people that went before me and everything, they all got to say their name, their major, and even extras. And me and another girl noticed that she was putting the mic, she was pulling the mic down super fast for some black people. I don't want to be that person, but that was the tea. So, I mean, I just couldn't let her, I just couldn't let that happen. Cause I just feel like I worked so hard to graduate and went through so much to graduate that I just felt like I had to reclaim my moment. I'm sorry, like, I'm not a problematic person. I don't wanna ruin no one's day. I don't wanna violate anybody, but that's what she did. She didn't even let me finish speaking. She put the mic down, cut me off, and that was the only time I was able to speak. So I just feel like that wasn't right. Sometimes your love for self and your dignity 
will cause you to break decorum. I understand what she's saying, I get it. Some people may not. First of all, graduation for black families is a holiday to us. Mm. It is serious to us, it is serious to the student. Our names are culturally connected to our identity. There's a story behind our names, there's a history behind our names. When someone snatches the mic from you or they do not allow you to say your name, understand the name, your name, my name, it's the first gift our parents give us. It's the first gift our parents give us. And having something like that disrupted during such a special and iconic moment, I understand the response, I understand her reaction. I ain't mad at all. Better let these babies talk, celebrate, and get their diploma and move on with life. All right, Jeff, thoughts? So I wonder what the administration was afraid that women like her or black people in general were going to say once they got the mic. That woman, I'm, I'm hope I was hoping she would say her name and hopefully we'll get it later so others can celebrate her because there's a lot of black families in this country, even still today, to where they are the first individuals in that yeah. family to get a college degree. I'm glad she got her moment, but it sucks that she had to take it because someone was trying to keep it from her. I'm not even mad. Yeah, and we have to be more sensitive as a culture, a community inside of America. Uh, the reality is that was her moment. And if somebody tried to take it, she took it back. We got more. On the other side is indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Kind of press for time. Okay. V says, Dr. Richie, I was expecting fisticuffs, some hair pulling. You're right, though. These two whiny winches aren't fighting for their constituents. They're <laughs> fighting to shine. Shine. Yep, uh, radical leftists. They ordered a diverse package of targets of various colors. Yet only targets of the same black men were posted. Where are the other posters? Hmm, seems mm. suspicious, mm -hmm. uh, shaking my head, yeah. And then they invited like the regular community to come. This wasn't a cop <laughs> thing only. They were like, yeah, let's bring all the community here. Show them how we do business, fellas, <laughs> amazing. All right, uh, Chi Chi Massey, member for 11 months. Thank you, double doser, appreciate you. So when did Congress take over the Jerry Springer show? <laughs> That's right, C. Michael Henson, thank you, C. Michael. Pence is late, we've always had a two-tier justice system. He talks equal application of law, but he mean, what he means is, you tell on me, I tell on you. I like that, That's true. Uh, Mike Pence has a whole law degree. Every law school teaches inequity in application of law as it relates to race, status, and income. Every law school teaches that. He knows good and damn well the truth. All right, Chi Chi Massey again, thank you again. Uh, the brother on the target can never go to that town. Hell, there are a few towns the brother can't go to. Mm -hmm. According to what we have, right? It's interesting, we need to find him. Okay, Twitch, one more, Twitch. Um, Ghost Dog TV. So they're ordering targets from a white supremacist supplier. 
We need to know who the hell the supplier is, all right? They need to make a statement about this. Okay, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're gonna feel free! Back off! I'm gonna tell African American men threatening my life. What the f did you say? To me, who the f are you? Get the f out of my face, bro. You look like a f dude with a. D yeah, you must be, son. Is you a him as a hers or you as a f you? And you too. Are you serious? Fuck out of here. You did you ask to record me, you stupid? Did you ask to record me, you stupid? Spin your face. Never recording of me. I'm a. Do it. You want the cops to come? Really? What? Is that what? Get the here. You're corny. You need to leave. You're corny. Now. Nobody cares about you. Nobody gets the. Walk away. Walk away. Walk away. Keep going. Get the bye. I got more video. Once again, we have an individual with an alligator mouth. Hummingbird ass, mouth writing checks that his ass can't cash. He was just disarmed by a girl. Now at this point, he could just move on with his life. He does not. He decides to get racist and even more aggressive. Here it is. Yeah, call the cops now. Get the Don't touch her. Get out. Oh my God. Give me my game back. You Is he okay? All right, let's put him up full mass. This male caring, hyper aggressive, violent, started to simply say the N word at the end of that, calling everyone the N word. And the ladies who were the victims, they handled it quite well, I must say. One critique. Don't argue so long about calling the cops on a person who's acting like this. You never know what may happen, all right? So maybe a little less chatter about calling the cops uh, and go, going ahead and doing it, all right? Just a recommendation, because you never know what could happen. Uh, this is one of those sagas where, one, we don't have more context really than that. Uh, that was enough. I would like to know more information about the individual and what happened and why he decided to become so irate. It seemed as if the women were not aware either. So maybe there's not an answer or at least a good one. Jeff thoughts. I think we have a formal diagnosis here. They did say what was going on. Don't nobody care about him and he's corny. Punk <laughs> That's it. Him. 
Those anti-Karen stepped up to him. You saw him walking away because he knew what time it was. He needed to leave because he wasn't going to do anything up in there. Good job out of them. Yeah. All right. Glad everyone is safe. Elon Musk and Zuckerberg to battle, to fight. Let's put it up full mass. I thought this was, you know, there it is. Dubbed <laughs> the warm billionaires, tech giants Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg have taken over Twitter with talks of a cage match between the two. After Elon Musk recently tweeted that he would be, and I quote, up for a cage fight with Zuckerberg, okay? The Meta CEO shot back by posting a screenshot of the tweet with the caption, send me location. Musk responded with two words, Vegas octagon. He then tweeted, I have this great move that I that I call the Warris, where I just lie on top of my opponent and do nothing. The joking rivals have had a back and forth for some time with Musk tweeting, Zuck my tongue emoji, and Zuckerberg's producer of product, excuse me, officer telling employees that the company thinks creators want a Twitter that is sanely run. In terms of who would win though, Zuckerberg's background in jujitsu may prove difficult for Musk. That's what the experts are saying. Um, here are the stats, uh, Musk, age 51, standing at a height of six feet two, specializes in street fighting and uh, growing up, street fighting when he was growing up. He's worth about 235 billion according to the narrative, has an IQ of 155, I highly doubt it, has 10 kids and owns everything and your mama. Zuckerberg, age 39, 5'7", specializes in jujitsu according to his bio. He has a net worth of about 97 billion, an IQ of 152, three children and owns Meta Incorporated, all right? Um, both of these gentlemen will not bust the soft side of a grape, <laughs> both of them. It is going to be interesting to see if this actually happens. I can, I can picture, maybe I was telling my producer Jordan this earlier, maybe they're going to do some kind of weird AI metaverse version of themselves fighting inside of a fake world. And they're gonna call that physical combat, I don't know. Um, Jeff, thoughts here? I can't believe I'm about to say this, but Zuckerberg would drop that dude. And I'm not saying this because um, I think Zuckerberg's listening right now and he's gonna sell my data to some corporate company <laughs> in China. I honestly believe that, oh my gosh, I'm gonna say something else. <laughs> I don't think Elon wants no part of that. Like I think Elon just wants to look cool in front of the blue checks that he created. But Zuckerberg would give that dude the utter business. Please like me, Zuckerberg. Don't yeah. be listening to my current conversation. You know, Elon Musk has over 200 billion. Zuckerberg has a mere 90 something billion dollars. That mm. means Zuckerberg goes in, he's hungry. Hungry. Right? He's the underdog yeah. here. These guys. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let's get to it. 
a lot on the agenda. All right, always good, always good to see so many people. Mo Fury, um, it's all fun and games until they take your golf club away. It was a golf club, it was not a walking stick, it was a golf club, you're right. Models trafficked by a modeling company. Put up the picture full mask. It's no secret that the fashion industry has a reputation of creating predatory environments, especially for young people. But new claims have drawn a more shocking and disturbing picture of what models have endured in the last decade. A new report in Variety details the experiences of more than a dozen models and related employees that claim modeling agencies who represented them helped create a culture ripe for financial and sexual exploitation. Let me give you some claims from this disturbing report. When Say Reynolds was 16, 16 years of age, she shot with a photographer who had been publicly accused of sexual coercion. She says she once received $130 for a total of six weeks of work and was later forced to climb a glacier in high heels before getting naked in freezing weather. A gig, she says, that was never paid for. And despite already losing weight, Ms. Reynolds was encouraged to starve off her hunger by chewing cotton balls. Quote, I remember my agent saying, cotton balls are organic, so it's fine if you just swallow them to make yourself feel full, end quote. Kaja Sokola, one of the women who came forward with accusations against Harvey Weinstein during the Me Too movement says that the culture of the industry still provides men like Weinstein a special access and proximity to the young models. Many of whom are still teenagers launched into New York City with essentially no adult supervision. In September 2002, this a 16-year-old Sokola had just arrived from Poland when she attended an event hosted by her modeling agency Next. She met Weinstein there and three days later, she says the producer sexually assaulted her, 16. Modeling agencies are sometimes like pimps for rich people, she says. Let's put it up. Founder of Model Alliance, Sarah Ziff says the abuse went far beyond predatory photographers and eating disorders. Noted that some agencies went as far as recruiting skinny young people from war zones. According to um, say Reynolds, they scout for talent at anorexia clinics as well. Ziff and other members of the Model Agent uh, Alliance Agency helped craft legislation titled the Fashion Workers Act, which was designed to hold modeling agencies accountable for model abuse they've caused or enabled. On June 8th, the New York Senate passed the law, bringing models one step closer to basic rights, such as requiring agencies to provide workers copies of their contracts and enacting a zero tolerance policy for abuse. If we care, if we care about people, if we care about young people, 
If we care about women, we should care about this. Because it is skewed to adversely impact those who are vulnerable, those who are poor, those who are young. The reality is this, many legislators will not even take this up because it's not part of their, let's just say political brand. The red meat is not there for their particular base. I'm talking about Democrats and Republicans. This is a good thing to attack, to stop it from happening. A big massive loophole in the system of modeling has allowed for the creation of a de facto industry known as human trafficking. It has to stop, laws are a good way to hold people accountable. Make sure attention is placed where it should be. Jeff, thoughts on this? The next co-founder said, when we send models to photo shoots, we vet the people and we hope that that model would call us if they were exposed to conditions such as this. The unfortunate part is we're not on every shoot. Maybe they should be. Yep, there you go. Forward, if they wanna do something about this, maybe they should provide the money for somebody to be at every shoot in order to prevent predatory predatory practices in addition to paying the models what they should be paid, sure. Yeah. All of this thing, all of these things could be done at the same time in order to ensure safety. That's right, send in the undercovers, do exhaustive investigations, hold press conferences. Talk about how you're going to make an example of those that you have accused, that you have charged. All right, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, we still have a lot of show left. Always good to be with you. Neo-Nazis, they decide to do what they do, disrupt other people. This time they disrupted a drag story hour in New Hampshire. Here it is. Oh, oh Put up the picture. These individuals would tell you if they were not cowards and wanted to speak without a mask. They will tell you they believe in freedom. They're patriots. Viral video posted to Twitter shows a group of neo Nazis dressed in dark masks because they are cowards and sunglasses disrupting a drag story hour in New Hampshire over the weekend. While drag queens read children's books to kids inside for LGBTQ-owned coffee shop members of New England-based neo-Nazi group NSC-131 chanted homophobic slurs and banged on the shop's windows. Now, keep in mind, individuals who participate in this kind of racist behavior or bigoted action, they are not simply going after this. They will go after Black Lives Matter. They will go after progressive legislation. They will go after anyone who's not a white supremacist or hold their ideology in heart. NSC stands for Nationalist Social Club. That's what they call themselves. The protesters chanted 131 
and homophobic slurs, including the F word, according to Juicy Garland, a drag performer who was at the event and posted the video on <coughs> social media. This isn't something strange and unique unto self, Garland 37 said. Fascism, a dangerous extremity on the right are something that has been here for a long time. Garland added that once the protest began, the store manager called the police and moved the event to the second floor of the shop, okay? And they did so away from demonstrators. The coffee shop's owner, Emmett Sodati, said the shop has hosted drag story hour events for the last decade. While there have been demonstrations before, they have increased in size and severity over the last 12 months. This kind of response is very new. There appears to tactically be a shift. Even if six years ago, people did have a problem with what we did. Since June 2022, there's been an average of 39 anti-LGBTQ protests nationwide each month, according to a recent report by the Crowd Counting Consortium, a research group that tracks the size of political protests. In comparison, the group recorded just three protests per month from January 2017 to May 2022. Um, now these individuals will say they're outraged because you know they don't want children exposed to this. Now, remember, parents are typically involved, and this is a choice, a decision by a private company, a private family, a private event. No criminality here. But I wonder, do they have the same, I guess, objection when a child goes to Hooters? Or maybe a basketball game, and there's, you know, gyrating happening at the basketball game. Jeff Thoughts. We live in a country where Nazis, even though they cover their faces because they're cowards, feel like they can roam free and drag people, drag queens have to shield themselves because of threats from people like that. That is gross. How did we get here to where a couple of de- decades ago, this country did so much to at least look like it was destroying Nazism. And now we're right back here where people gotta be fearful of where they go. So look, I know some people who are drag performers and they wouldn't be afraid of Nazis. And again, I think that's the reason why they, they cover their faces. But yeah. It's, it should be a non-issue with this, this private company does in order to help with literacy, by the way, but yep. whatever. Exactly, uh, and remember these, these neo-Nazis, they support legislation that will mandate a 10 year old, have the child, have mm. the fetus born um, from a rapist, from a monster, mm. all right? They will be okay with that. A black mayor in Alabama, he wins the city. The council and the former mayor refused to seat him, breaking the law. Let's put it up full mass. What you're looking at is current day America. Patrick Braxton ran to become the first black mayor of New Bern, Alabama in 2020. With no opponent, he ascended into the office by default. That happens. But you'd never know it. The previous mayor, Haywood Woody Stokes III is still serving as mayor, despite the fact that he failed to submit the necessary paperwork to even run for the role. Before Braxton, the position of mayor in this town had always been passed down from white friend to white friend. 
Then the cogs of conspiracy, it seems, began to turn. Former members of the then majority White Town Council members who had also failed to file qualifying paperwork held that Braxton claims was unpublicized. Unlawful meeting to order a special election to fill their own seats. Only those present at the meeting knew about the decision, Braxton said, and were, were the only ones to qualify for the offices. After they assumed office, not voted into office, after they assumed office, Braxton explained they met again without public notice and appointed Stokes as mayor after he was already the winner. At this point, Braxton was even locked out of the town hall. And in the same sense, he's been unable to discharge his duties as the official mayor of the town. Now, nearly three years into his term, Mayor Braxton is still unable to discharge the duties of his office. In a federal civil rights lawsuit, the mayor claims that since he became mayor of Newburn, former Mayor Stokes and others have participated in an illegal conspiracy to prevent him from governing the affairs of the town simply because of his race. That conspiracy, Braxton argues, violates federal law and the US Constitution's equal protection clause. Let me say this before I go to the next point. Right there gives the DOJ's Department of Civil Rights the ability to investigate that part right there. Because you now have a question of significant constitutional origin. That is what's necessary for the federal government to get involved. You now have it. He's made the case clear for you and even filed the suit. In their response to the lawsuit, Stokes and the purported members of the town council deny any wrongdoing. Braxton, Mayor Braxton and the members of the town council, the defendants claim, will be unable to prove a conspiracy took place. <laughs> will be unable to prove a conspiracy took place. Will be unable to prove a conspiracy took place. The defendants too claim immunity from the suit arguing that the law in situations like this was not clearly established. <laughs> well, thankfully, your misunderstanding of the law does not give you immunity from it. Yes, you all have basically admitted to it. You just don't know it. An attorney is going to help you see the light real soon. Max thoughts here. Well, according to Candace Owens, the Jim Crow doesn't <laughs> exist. So right. I don't know what the problem is. I mean, I don't see how you can be any clearer that Republicans don't care about democracy. They would rather dissolve democracy entirely than have to look up to a black man who's in a position of public office. And they're saying very clearly not we didn't do it. They're saying you're not gonna prove it because we have this big white wall of silence as we've seen in courtrooms in the South for decades. And the sad thing is at the local level, they're probably right. And this is another example where the DOJ created the Civil Rights Department for this specific purpose. Right. This may be the most transparent case I have ever seen. And I really hope they get involved. Yeah, they have to get involved. I know they have their hands full. I know they are actually being more aggressive now than they have been in many years. Uh, budget has to get uh, bigger in order for them to continue the good work of providing what's needed to local communities. We'll bring you updates as they come. All right, 
pays hardware. Black employee says, hey, I found a noose hanging from the ceiling with a bag in it. Put up the picture full mass, hell of a story. Devondrick Hartsfield, a black employee at Van Mark's Ace Hardware in Arlington, Texas, says he's petrified to return to work after manager told him to look up at a backpack hanging from a noose as they were walking through a back area of the store. The incident took place on Juneteenth and an investigation is underway according to store management. Quote, before we walked to the door, he told me to look up and I looked up. And when I looked up, I looked back at him, he was like, it's a joke. One left his backpack, Harshfield said. It's a backpack hanging from the ceiling that Harshfield says soon gave him a chill. And when I looked back up, I saw the noose with the rope. I was like, what the hell? Harshfield says he's been a delivery driver at the store for nearly four months. And it's the only black employee he's aware of. I took it as a black man being hung. Dismembered. The bag to me looked to me like a black man who was hung and dismembered. He said, I really feel like that was a message. Harsfield says he was told the backpack was hung from the ceiling as a prank because another employee forgot it. He questions that explanation and whether it was a coincidence that it happened on Juneteenth, which celebrates black freedom. Harsfield says a supervisor at the store has apologized to him, but he's contemplating whether to continue working there. He says he's also contacted the local NAACP chapter in OSHA, asking both to investigate. Here's a statement from Ace Hardware. Van Marks Ace Hardware would like to assure you and the entire community that any allegations of racism or any discrimination is being thoroughly investigated and addressed with the utmost urgency. We take such incidents seriously and are committed to creating a safe, an inclusive environment for both our employee and customers. All right, um, uh, dear brother, I would highly encourage you to seriously consider um, not working at a place. Just consider it, not working at a place uh, that hangs nooses uh, in the back office or warehouse, anywhere. All right, Jeff thoughts. Remember when a member of Bubba Wallace's team found a noose in a garage? And since it was being used as a garage door pulley, we yeah. were supposed to believe it wasn't a noose. So I guess in this Ace Hardware, that noose that was being used to hang a backpack on Juneteenth of all days, um, I guess we're supposed to believe that's like a Boy Scout knot used only for hanging a backpack. This man needs to leave and leave immediately. Just don't make your next job be something like Cracker Barrel or something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Um, hell of a thing, a good damn police officer. Here it is. Oh, 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 Jesus. Oh, 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 oh,
Somebody suck me in. And he goes down. I go in after him. I got sucked in. Drain pipe. Right by that marker. And I went all the way underneath Highway 98 got spit out. You will not. If it didn't happen to him too, I'm glad you're good. Thank you, man, for, for like being there when I come out. I feel awful. I told you to come to me. I no, led you right matter. in that shit. When I came out, you were right behind me. That shows like, believe me, I mean, Y'all just sit tight right here. Stay, yeah. stay in the car. Yeah, I mean. That officers from Florida put up the picture. Body cam footage shows the moment a Florida police officer, William Hollingsworth, was sucked through a drainage pipe while trying to rescue a man from flood water. Both men were dragged underneath the four lane highway before resurfacing on the other side. Keep that picture up. Not only did this officer abandon his instinct of self-preservation, jump in to save this man, endured significant, significant turmoil inside of a pipe, a drainage pipe, comes out on the other side, still concerned about the man and says, I feel, I feel horrible, the cop said. Why did he feel horrible? He felt horrible because he wanted to do more. He wanted to save that man from the experience of even that. Why? Because that's a good damn cop. Jeff thoughts. It's always good to highlight when police officers do the right thing and are heroic. So hopefully in the future, it will encourage more to do the right thing and be heroic. So good job out of them. There you go, great job. Always a pleasure, dear brother, having you on the program. Tell people I think follow you and check out your great work. Yeah, you can find me on Rebel HQ every day of the week. And I also have a YouTube channel called We Gonna Be All Right. Thank you, my friend, until next time. All right, bullpen is next, stick and stay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. He's back in the bullpen today. We have Mr. Shelly Winter, host of the Shelly Winter Show, 95.5 FM WSB, conservative, but we forgive him. Shelly, good day. What's going on, brother? All right, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, brother. Thank you for being back on the show. Um, you and I need to connect about the basketball clinic for the youth. So let's make sure we do that Absolutely. Uh, before the summer is out, okay? Absolutely. Um, all right, let's get into it, man, because the Republican primary, DeSantis, um, AKA Governor DeSatan, he has launched what many are saying is a very horrible campaign. I'm not talking about Democrats, Republicans are saying this, that they expected much more. And then when you look at his policy, let me bring up one in particular. His policy on immigration is causing a mass exodus of individuals, especially those who employ people from the state of Florida. This cannot be good, you got the Disney debacle, now you have this. Graves Williams, a lifelong Republican, explained this. He said, the skilled labor and manpower needed to provide tomatoes to North America uh, basically is impossible now because of 
Ron DeSantis, he's a DeSantis supporter. So how do you see this shaping up as far as DeSantis and his ability to translate it to a national Republican primary? Well, uh, first of all, the um, I, I've got to figure out what where you, what you're against um, or for because basically DeSantis's law that he passed was essentially saying that you have to use a mandatory use of E-Verify, which is already a federal law, has been a federal law for 30 years. Um, and then also the second part of that law is that you have to, um, there, you, there's penalties if you hire illegal immigrants mm -hmm. um, whose employment has not been verified. Um, so I'm not sure if you're against that, which has already been the law, mm -hmm. or if you're for cheap, Immigrant labor that's uh, you know overly uh, uh, um, uh, used and people taking advantage of uh, uh, cheap labor. I didn't know the Democrats were for cheap labor. You guys mm -hmm. used to be for uh, uh, protections of immigrate immigrants, mm -hmm. illegal immigrants. Um, so I'm not sure where you stand on this, unless the argument is I'm just against Ron DeSantis because he's running for president, and I just called him Ron DeSatan. But right. the the point of the matter is there is a point to this, which is protection of American labor okay. um, and and uh, and the guy that you're quoting is a lifelong Republican. I didn't know you agreed with lifelong Republicans. Well, um, you let just me told say this, me dear you, brother. You just so told me one, you gave me that you forgive me for being one. Yeah, I try to. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so, one, so I'm not sure uh, where you me, stand on this. My, to my point to is you. this, I'm not sure where you stand on this. Well, I'm here and I will tell you exactly where I stand right. and what I've said for the record even on this program here. The Satan is actually right on the prosecution policy. I said that right here, dear brother, I'll say it again. As far as where I stand, where I stand is very clear. The question to you was, how does the Santis translate this particular message politically into a national Republican primary when he's running partly on his ability to bring jobs and economic prosperity. Well, he's already done but you it. have, hold on, wait a minute, brother. Allow me oh, to finish oh. the question, sir. Yeah, sorry. When, when he now has active Republicans, major donors in the Republican Party who either A, live in Texas or have significant businesses in, in, in uh, Florida, excuse me, uh, live in Florida, have significant businesses in Florida, are now saying he's contrary to actual economic growth. My question, once again, to you is how does he translate that message? to a Republican primary, to Republican voters like yourself. Right, Republican voters have always been against illegal immigration. Republican voters have always been for the crackdown of the hiring illegally of illegal immigrants. Mm -hmm. So this plays perfectly with the base. Not only does it play perfectly with the base, but yeah. it plays perfectly because he actually signed a law and it's not just rhetoric being talked about um, building a wall or Mexico will pay for it. He's actually got, he can go on a campaign trail mm -hmm. and say, I've actually signed a law to back up what I believe. Um, okay. So to the base of the Republican Party, to answer your question, it plays very well. To okay. the donors, there's two different groups of people in the Republican Party, just like there's two groups of people in the Democrat Party. There's more there's than two donors groups. More than two the groups. voters. More than two groups, dear brother, you know that. It's well, very you, know what I, you know what I mean right. though, you know what I mean. All right, so so let, let's, let's go down the line here. Uh, because I've said this for years, I actually have a dissertation uh, about how one of the five factors, one of those factors that has to be fixed as it relates to immigration policy is the statute itself being properly enforced. The same statute, same federal statute that says 
It is illegal to hire an undocumented, it is illegal to work as an undocumented individual. The subsection of that statute says it's also illegal to hire them. But anytime you see 600 undocumented workers being arrested and the media is there, helicopters over their head, a SWAT team is inside the building, you never see the human resources director, you never see the CEO, you never see anyone else involved in the operation go to jail. They will get a civil penalty. Right. Well, roughly 90% of individuals who come here undocumented come here for what? Work. They come here for work, which means there's a great attractor inside of the American work design. And that attractor is the employer. That's who it is. Right. And so, as it relates to the actual policy, I don't disagree with the policy. I think he's doing it in a way to pander. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Why, why you do something between you and your God? I need things to be done correctly. I don't like, obviously, the penalizing of poor individuals at the expense of these corporations. I don't like the exploitation dynamic. That's why I believe that individuals should have opportunity for citizenship to raise the standards so that they are not paid under the table and paid pennies. But beyond the DeSantis dynamic, which by the way, he's not polling great. Many are he's now at 20%. saying- 20%, he's at 20%. At 20% where? And well, at three, I think 538, he's averaged about, not, I'm sorry, not 20%. I was thinking about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Sorry about that. He's polling at about 13% and Trump is about 30%. There so, you go. Yeah, I mean, okay. or 50% in some polls. My part, I had Robert F. Kennedy's numbers in my head. Okay, all right. So he's polling. Watch your guy. <laughs> he's polling at <laughs> he, he's polling at ten to thirteen percent. Let's right. say that on average, he's polling right. at ten to thirteen percent. He's solidly number two, even at that low number. He's solidly number two. He doesn't vacillate very much, so it's not as if he's twenty one day and five the next. Everybody else is kind of polling at about one percent, ironically, um, and then you still have a significant number of undecided Republican voters. Which is a different reality for Trump now than before. But I will say this, Trump doesn't seem to be getting the level of competition many expected DeSantis to give him. Uh, I just wanna know your thoughts on that. I, I, I think that's early, I, I, Okay. let me say this. First of all, I definitely agree with what you said earlier. Um, when you talked about the workers and everything, we're on the same page there. Okay. Um, uh, I think it's too early to tell how he's going to do. Um, I think he's. I don't think he's had any major slip-ups, uh, with the exception possibly of the rollout on Twitter um, and some of the technical issues. Um, but they still had when they came online, um, you know, minutes after they were supposed to, they still had a substantial number of people join. Um, so I think it's just too early. Um, remember. Back in uh, in 2020, I mean, as recently as 2020 or 2019, going into 2020 election, Joe Biden was polling third, um, and then he had to win South Carolina and then took off from there. So I think it's a little early to uh, say he's not doing well, um, and I really wouldn't listen to too many people on the right um, that go after DeSantis because I think there's a lot of pro-Trumpism going on. And so they wanna kinda cut him off at the knees. Uh, I pay more attention to the attacks coming from the left, which sees him as a viable uh, challenger to Joe Biden. But I think to answer your specific question, I think it's too early to make that analysis. Okay, Biden, because you brought up the comparison, there was a slingshot type effect when he was endorsed by Congressman Clyburn. 
and we actually said it, we could predict it, we could see it. We said if Biden gets the, the endorsement and he wins South Carolina, it is going to create a trajectory for him that will be unstoppable. Compare that to the Republican primary. I do not see a Clyburn like figure in the Republican primary. And I don't see a state with someone who is willing to endorse a DeSantis and create a change in the flow. That doesn't mean it can't happen in the future. I'm just saying right now it won't. But I do think at the end of this three men are standing. And if you see it differently, tell me. I know it's early, but I'm gonna make the prediction now. Three men are standing at the end. Trump, if he is still eligible to actually run. Um, DeSantis and Chris Christie for a different reason. The reason why I think Chris Christie would be the last man standing with those other two uh, is because look at who's running, man. Uh, you got Pence, Pence running for president. Is he really running for president? And then you have everyone else who's basically running away from running for president. Chris Christie is at least attacking it head on. I think there's a lane in the Republican Party. It may be small, but you don't need much but what 11% of the vote in order to be number three. Right, Um, uh, first of all, I think your analysis is, I I won't say spot on, but I think it's it's clearly logical. Um, There is a lane for an anti-Trumper in a presidential primary, a nomination primary, where a large number of voters are undecided, and he's clearly only getting what the numbers that he's getting. Those numbers are not going anywhere. Trump's numbers are not going to necessarily crash. They're going to hold steady at 30, 35, 40%. So there is a lane for someone to be anti him constantly. I don't know how wide that lane is, I don't know if it gets you to three. Um, I do know uh, Ron DeSantis as number two. Uh, The reason why I think to your slingshot analogy that you use with Joe Biden, Iowa uh, DeSantis's campaign has uh, pretty much put about 15 to 20% of their campaign, what they have right now in Iowa. Um, They have about 150 ground uh, campaign, hired ground campaign staffers in Iowa. And they're going hard with the same strategy, not surprisingly, but it's a good one, that Barack Obama employed in 2008 or 2007, going into the 2008 election, which was put everything into Iowa and let that be your slingshot. And that's what DeSantis is doing. I think what's gonna hurt Trump is not the legal things, is not the media coverage, is not the normal things. What's gonna hurt Trump is Trump. Um, I think he's going to do what he did in 2020. Um, He's gonna push a lot of Republicans away from just talking too much and not running a campaign, but running a a kind of um, a revenge campaign and not running a this is what I can do for you campaign, which is what he did in 2016 um, by running a populist campaign. And I think he's going away from that. So I think there is a path for DeSantis. My dream ticket, honestly, is either a Scott, uh, DeSantis, DeSantis, Scott ticket. That's my dream ticket, a DeSantis, Scott ticket. I would love to see. Wow. All right, Iowa caucuses, you brought it up. I mean, you like you like Chris Christie, come on, man. No, I don't like Chris Christie. Nobody likes Chris Christie. I don't like Chris Christie. Oh, okay, well, you know what I mean. No, I don't no. know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't like Chris Christie. Yeah, All right. Chris Christie, so. he's, he's, he's too fat. <laughs> All right, so 
No, yeah, seriously, you said no. Straight face. Listen, man. Let me go. I gotta go to the no, next question. No, for real. Brother. I mean, you oh, know what on, I'm let saying. Me, let me go to the next question, man. <laughs> Iowa caucuses. You brought it up. Iowa. If you look at the uh, history of the Iowa caucuses, they used to play a major role as far as actual new voters in the future, right? Because it made people believe you're a winner. That's how it really worked. You don't see that so much now, but it definitely gets you more money. So if you win the Iowa caucuses, and there's a level of manipulation involved because of how caucuses are done. You gotta know how to do it. And so if you know how to do it, you come out looking like or smelling like roses. Well, that's gonna get you more money. That's gonna get you significant earned media. Everybody's gonna talk about the fact that you won the Iowa caucuses and you're gonna get more dollars in your bank account, which can help obviously with the distribution of your campaign. So I get you on that point. I still don't see it as a South Carolina dynamic that translated into money and voters. But I do get your point that he's going to go strong and he probably does do very well there. At the end of this, dear brother, do you see a potential where the Republican Party, the party who's at odds with Trump, they don't say it out loud, but they are. Do you think they try to negotiate if there's a close delegate count? They try to floor negotiate Trump off of that ticket if he's absolutely. in the lead. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, I think uh, so too. Ab- absolutely, and and I'll tell you the the danger in that, and it goes back to what I said earlier. And this is what I love about our conversations. We go full circle. There's a donor base, mm-hmm. and then there's the base base. Most of those delegates represent the base base. Um, if they try and do that, and they try in a negotiation, and there's a floor fight. I think we see January 6th all over again at the Republican National Convention. Okay. Um, uh, and, and I say that because the love for Trump is, is, is stronger than the love for actually winning a presidential election. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, you know, and um, I believe and so, I believe their love for Trump is stronger than the love for country. No, I that's believe, not true. Yeah, yeah, I believe, yeah come I believe on, man. Love the love for Trump on, by man. many is because they love the country. Come on, you man. may disagree with them. You may disagree with them, but it's on, because they love the country. So they committed domestic terrorism because they love America. Uh, well, yeah. I, my people been calling for domestic terrorism because we love America since 1800. So See, you can stop you, right man. there, my look brother. Look at you. Look you can at stop you, right man. there, my they, brother. They got you all. You can stop right the there. Head, I eat a Black Panther Party. You love America. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love you. You throw black you. folk under the bus when the conversation I is about you. white domestic terrorism. I love I you love too, you. brother. Don't love your ways, brother. <laughs> um, this tough love right here, this is what you're getting. Oh, I appreciate I you, know. man. Huh? Thank you. Thank you. All love right. You. Love you back. We'll have you back in a couple of months. All <laughs> right. Always, always good to see you, man. Uh, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.